This is the Early Link Podcast. I'm Rafael Otto. Today I am uh, speaking with Dana Hepper, our Director of Policy and Advocacy here at Children's Institute. And I have a uh, guest on the phone today, James Barta, who's actually down in Salem calling in. Uh, he is the Strategic Director at Children First for Oregon. James and Dana, welcome. Thanks. Thank you. We are in the middle of the legislative session right now. There is a lot happening, and I'm wanting to get a policy update about the hottest trends down in Salem, particularly focused on early childhood. Dana, can you start us off? Yeah, absolutely. There are a few major things that we're working on this legislative session. There is a 30-organization coalition that has come together in support of a package of investments in early childhood, most of which will be funded through a process that is led by the Joint Committee on Student Success. So this is a new committee this session. They've never had it before. Uh, They spent last year touring the state to learn about what investments community members across Oregon wanted them to make in public education starting before kindergarten and now have put together a package that includes early childhood through K-12 investments um, that total $2 billion, $400 million of which will be investments in early childhood programs, including expanding access to preschool, um, home visiting programs, creation of an early childhood equity fund for culturally specific early learning programs, some childcare investments, parenting education, just really an investment in the entire package of early learning strategies that we know we need for kids and families in Oregon. And that $400 million would be a meaningful step forward in getting a lot more kids and families in Oregon served in these highly effective programs that are severely underfunded now. Why was the committee new? Why, did, why was it formed for the first time during this legislative session? And did that have something to do with where we've landed today with early childhood being embedded as part of this education package? Great question. I think the early ch- this Joint Committee on Student Success was created because we knew we weren't getting the outcomes for children and families that we wanted with our existing level of investment. And so rather than having a conversation about how to raise revenue in one committee and a conversation about how to spend revenue in another committee, they really wanted to bring those conversations together and making sure to make sure they developed a package that included both a proposal for how to raise additional money and in the same bill, how to spend that money on the programs that we know children and families need to thrive. James, yeah, what's Rob, the, yeah go ahead. I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, there's a couple lessons that this committee is drawing upon. One is uh, two years ago, last long session, there was a joint transportation committee that toured the state, uh, came together, heard Oregonians from uh, different places, different walks of life and developed a bipartisan bill that increased gas taxes to pay for specific uh, improvements in our road system. Well, this is on a much grander scale. They came together more than a year ago to tour the state, hear people from different walks of life, and see what investments need to be made in education. So we drew from that transportation lesson to, uh, to build this structure of student success And I think the other lesson that uh, advocates in general have learned is also a couple of years ago, there was uh, a large revenue measure called Measure 97 that didn't identify where the spending would be. 
And so we know that we need better education outcomes. We know we need better early childhood programs and investments in them. Uh, and so uh, by, as Dan already said, by putting together in one bill, uh, the legislators and potentially the voters will know exactly where these revenue streams will go. What's your take on the general voter understanding of where we're at with early childhood right now? I think sometimes early childhood is, uh, people understand it as maybe preschool uh, or, or maybe a little bit more than that. Maybe some people have an understanding of uh, early childhood special education or something like that. But do you have a sense of where voters are in supporting this kind of uh, the early childhood piece of this specifically in the education package? Well, one thing we saw when uh, the legislators and the committee toured the state was a lot of attention toward early childhood. Now, I'm not sure what the typical voter might say, but it was important for committed people who know the importance of these programs, who have experienced the benefits of these programs and their families to speak out. And that was one thing that did sway legislators to make sure that they kept investments in early childhood. But the typical voter, I am i can't say in my line of work that I uh, meet them often enough to uh, <laughs> be an expert, but it's important for people to speak up because it does make a difference. I would just add, I think the research is out. I think voters and citizens across the state and country understand that children's brains develop incredibly rapidly in the earliest years of life, and that sets a foundation for future learning. And voters and citizens know that parenting in those earliest years is incredibly hard and everyone needs help. Mm -hmm. Voters and citizens may not understand exactly what the specific state or federal investments are that support parents and children in those critical foundational years. We still have work to do there, but I think I think Oregonians do really understand the importance of these first few years, and I think that's why you heard that come up time and time again when the Joint Committee on Student Success was touring the state. And I'll add, too, I think Dana raises a good point that so many families uh, have experienced the difficulties, especially with young children, of not having the assistance they need in order to help their children. But I think so, for so many people, they do it alone or with their family you know, and a few close friends, and they don't realize that it is a systemic problem that should be addressed at the public level. And so it's been gratifying to see so many people come up and speak about it, but we still need to get the word out. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I'll outgrow this, so uh, it's not that big of an issue, but it is since the effects last throughout the child's life. I, I like that you described it as a systemic problem. I think one of the one of the ideas that has come up more so in this legislative session and, and and just recently here at Children's Institute is this idea of an early learning system. So when you talk about it being a systemic problem for families with young children, it makes sense that you would have to have a systemic solution to a similar thing. Where, But conceiving an early childhood system is still something that's emerging like where where are we on that in that process what is that what is that looking like today i would say that what i think most people also understand is that children especially very young children's brains are developing they are learning and growing 
no matter where they are. And there are three primary places where young children are. They're at their homes with their families. They're in childcare, And they're in an early education kind of environment like a preschool. And that we need to, as a system, attend to what's happening in each one of those environments with voluntary supports that are accessible to any family child care provider or preschool that would like them. And so that is how we've been thinking about an early childhood system is a combination of approaches and strategies that support families, that support quality child care, and that support access to preschool. And that if we make progress on all three of those fronts, we will be making progress toward an early childhood system that supports kids and families in the way that we want. And I think uh, the tricky part of the advocacy is for so many people's individual experiences, and this includes legislators in particular, they may have touched one part of the system. You know, it's the the parable of the, the blind men and the elephant. You know, they've touched a different part and they recognize that part is significant, but they're not realizing often the whole picture unless they go out and hear from other people and put those pieces together that uh, these sometimes very different programs make a whole system that can help children and their parents no matter what their situation. Can I just provide an example for what James is talking about? One example we think about a lot is um, the Early Childhood Coalition has been supporting investment in early intervention, early childhood special ed, which is Oregon's birth to five a program that provides services to families that have children with disabilities and delays. And here we've been advocating for increasing access to preschool. And what we've been saying is you can't increase one without increasing the other. That in fact, if you want to expand preschool and you want children with delays and disabilities to have access to inclusive preschools with typically developing peers, you need to invest in both early intervention, early childhood special ed, and preschool. Just an example of how the pieces of the system really work together to serve children and families. Yeah, that's a great example. Say more about the coalition, because the coalition is relatively new. It's the Early Childhood Coalition. There are many organizations that are signed on. Uh, Children First for Oregon is part of that coalition. Children's Institute is. Tell me about the work of the coalition and what's been happening. Well, let me just say, uh, starting off, you know, Dan and I have been working together the last... uh, couple long sessions for the last four or so years and it used to be the two of us and another colleague who would be going around and talking to legislators and you know we got some things moving did well but um but it was really dana who uh pioneered the idea of you know it's time to expand our coalition and so uh i can say you know that children first has been more than happy to help the children's institute has done an excellent job of bringing a large coalition of groups together to form what has become a consensus document for investments in this entire system that we've been talking about. One of the things that has been really exciting about the Early Childhood Coalition is that, like James said, it is a consensus approach. And so each organization may may be playing a leading role on one specific component of a package of early childhood investments. But every organization understands and recognizes the ways that the investments work together and the importance of moving forward on them all at the same time. Here we are. We're just past the halfway point in April. 
um, or actually at the half, April 15th today. Um, what can we expect? What's coming up? And I know there's a lot happening in the next week, two weeks. What, uh, what can we expect? What's, what are the developments? I would say that this package that we've been talking about, this um, potential investment of $400 million in early childhood programs and services, we're hearing that this package could be voted on as soon as next week, April 25th, um, is the date I've heard as a potential target for when the Joint Committee on Student Success will actually send this out of their committee to the House and the Senate. So that will be one major development in the session, and that is going to happen relatively rapidly. Mm -hmm. And so we really want to make sure if folks have been wondering how to weigh in on this, wondering when, um, wondering what to do, now is the time. It is time to email your legislators. We have an action alert up on Children's Institute's website that anyone is welcome to respond to. It will send your email directly to the Joint Committee on Student Success um, so they will see why you believe an investment in early childhood programs and services matter and why you're excited for them to take action now. And then not everything that we care about is happening through the Joint Committee on Student Success. So... There are also some um, improvements to the child care system that we are working on together. One, to lower the co-pays that parents pay who receive help paying for child care. Um, Oregon has the highest parent co-pays in the nation in our child care subsidy program. So stay tuned for action opportunities on legislation to reduce co-pays in Oregon. We have been working to create a task force on child care. The Joint Committee on Student Success has been focused a bit more on the preschool early learning and parenting side of the early childhood system. And we want a deep dive look at child care over the next couple of years that comes back with proposals for how to make significant headway on that piece of the early childhood system. So stay tuned for action on that. And finally, the Early Childhood Coalition has been supporting implementation of universally available home visits for brand new parents in Oregon so that you know when you bring that baby home for the first time that you are not alone, that you have the option of having a public health nurse come and visit you in those earliest days and weeks, provide you with the support and resources you need to make sure your family thrives from day one. And so we're excited also to see that effort move forward and those bills will all be considered for funding after the Joint Committee on Student Success process has um, finished its major next major hurdle, right. passing their bill. Yeah, Dana ran, ran over many of the, the bills, you know, almost all the early childhood bills that we're working on as well. Uh, at Children First for Oregon, we have a very broad children's agenda. I'll be working on uh, self-sufficiency programs, tax credits for working parents, uh, a few other things. My colleagues will be working on child welfare issues. In general, we see at this tipping point of the legislative session, you know, the focus moving from the policy bills to the budget matters. You know, it's, uh, it's always a tough budget. And so many of the decisions uh, of those bills that we're talking about move into the ways and means and are decided in uh, closed door sessions that uh, uh, we try to, uh, our best to make sure that we have a champion in the room. But these priorities for early childhood are just smart investments 
And as Dana said earlier, it's important for people to uh, let their legislators know, you know, because they actually do respond to uh, uh, emails, especially personalized ones. I used to work in this office, a legislator's office myself, and uh, and they do make a difference. Yeah, I think that's important for people under- to understand is that uh, if, if you want your voice to be heard, um, you can do that. Uh, and your, your legislators want to hear from you. So uh, it's important to be part of that process. Any comments on the revenue picture? I know it's challenging. There's a lot of discussion about new taxes. Where are we at? Well, the only way we make these investments, these needed investments, is if we have uh, new revenue. And we have a, a state that is very reliant on the personal income tax. So you and I, as uh, taxpayers, supply collectively something like 70% of all the revenue the state gets. And it's very volatile. And frankly, uh, it's this overall system that we have is inadequate uh, for our state's needs, for our education needs. And so it looks like we'll be uh, applying a, a corporate activities tax. And right now in Oregon, corporations pay a, one of the have one of the lowest tax burdens of any state. And so we're trying to uh, balance the scales a little bit with smart investments that will benefit these same companies because down the road, they'll have a better educated workforce. Yeah, it's an interesting question because in a normal session where there isn't a joint committee on student success, which as we mentioned is kind of a unique process this session, in a normal session, the Ways and Means Committee writes the budget for the state. Mm -hmm. And the Ways and Means Education Subcommittee is where many of the early childhood investments sit. And this time, there is still a Ways and Means Education Subcommittee, and their job is to allocate the money that the state is predicting to get with no tax increase. And so they have to look at the regular revenue that they are planning, to, they are estimating to receive from the personal income tax and our other existing tax streams and the lottery, et cetera, and figure out how to spend that money. And then parallel to that, the Joint Committee on Student Success is looking at raising new revenue and how that money will be invested. So we have been paying close attention to, well, making sure that there is a significant investment in early childhood through the Joint Committee on Student Success process. We also have to make sure that the ways and means process isn't resulting in cuts to early childhood that would basically counteract what Joint Committee on Student Success is trying to do. So we're watching both of those processes. Joint student success is moving quickly right now in the next couple of weeks, probably. The ways and means process is a little bit slower. And those final decisions probably won't be made until May or probably June. But we're definitely at the at the Ways and Means Committee saying, you know, don't make cuts to early childhood. We're actually trying to make progress. Most children who are eligible for, for the early childhood programs in Oregon currently don't have access to them. And so we certainly don't want to go backwards in one area where we're making progress in another. The Ways and Means Committee, if they just look at the money that we have right now in the state budget, and they look at how much it costs to pay for the exact same things we're doing right now, they don't have enough money to cover those costs. Right. So they are looking at making cuts in some areas, including in the education budget, the Department of Education grant and aid budget, where most of the early childhood investments sit. And so we definitely have to stay on top of that process 
at the same time. Yeah, it's an interesting situation having to blend almost two different budgets. There's the investment budget and the student success and then the regular ways and means. And uh, and what's uh, it just shows uh, the quick pace around here is when you called to set up this recording, um, it was in the middle of responding to some emails going around about a, a meeting just earlier this afternoon about how we need to start meeting with some of these education uh, committee members mm-hmm. to discuss the the efforts to uh, bridge these two budgets. You know, what investments can be made now so that early childhood programs are ready for the student success investment? You know, what programs will have to wait a little bit as they get ramped up and what, which ones can have immediate investments and make uh, changes in their program. So there's always uh, new information uh, bouncing about this type of session. Dana and James, uh, thanks for taking a few minutes today to speak with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. Thanks. This is the Early Link Podcast. I'm Rafael Otto. Please tune in to our podcast wherever you download or stream your podcasts. All episodes are also available on our website at childinst.org.